Please be seated for our Bible reading. verse 26. It can be found on page 60 of the New Testament section of the Glory to you, O Lord. In this reading, the angel Gabriel visits Mary to announce how she will be the mother of Jesus, and followed by Mary visiting her relative Elizabeth, leading to Mary's great declaration of joy and praise to God in the words of the Magnificat. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has looked with favour 
on the loneliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her for about three months and then returned to her home. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Everyone, would you join me in a short prayer before I begin? Father God, we come to you in this season of Advent to consider anew the wonderful story of the birth of Jesus, beginning as we do today with the Annunciation. Help us rediscover the joy of this good news and share it with a needy world. Amen. Well, with our uh, reading uh, today from Luke, um, in two parts really, uh, it includes the prophecy of Jesus' birth and secondly, Mary's visit to her relative Elizabeth. Weighty and important accounts carefully researched by the medical doctor and historian Luke for his friend Theophilus, to whom he dedicates his gospel. So we begin uh, with verse 26. Uh, In the sixth month, that refers to Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy, this elderly lady who was past normal childbearing age had conceived, and her son would be John the Baptist. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to Nazareth. Now this same angel had appeared to Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, six months previous. And also, interestingly, 500 years before to the prophet Daniel. So this Gabriel was an important messenger of God. And now he was sent to a virgin, Parthenon in the Greek, betrothed to a man named Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mariam in the vernacular, Mary in our translations. Now, most people construe a descendant of David, ek oiku David, out of the house of David, as applying to Joseph, and it does. But one convincing commentator 
attributes that description also to Mary. So important was it for Luke to emphasize that the son to be born of Mary was in accordance with Old Testament prophecy from the royal line of David. Gabriel's greeting is fulsome. Hail, favored one, the Lord is with thee. So you can imagine this young girl receiving that sort of greeting from this personage who was obviously out of the ordinary and not surprisingly it greatly disturbed Mary but she didn't have time to worry because Gabriel continued fear not you have found favor with God and will conceive in your womb specifically and bear a son and shall call him Jesus. Jesus is the translation of the Hebrew Yeshua, meaning the one through whom God brings salvation. He continues, he will be great and called the son of of the Most High, and will reign on the throne of David, which his father will give him forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So let's pause there to consider the enormity of this message delivered by one of God's powerful angels to a poor Jewish teenager in an outlying territory of the Roman Empire. Mary's social status would have made her an unlikely candidate for such a hugely important role in God's plan for mankind. But let's remember what happened when the prophet Samuel uh, was sent to anoint the future king of Israel from among the sons of Jesse in 1 Samuel. He sees Eliab the oldest son, a fine figure of a man, and says to himself, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But I love what happens next. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. So we should not allow our attitude, our presumptions to limit God's choices. If our hearts are right before him, God can use us and will use us. And while that is, of course, a great honour, it doesn't always imply an easy ride, does it? Look at Mary's later experience As a result of bearing the Messiah, she suffered ridicule, her fiancé nearly left her, and her son would be rejected by the establishment and executed. But that was all in God's purview. The lesson there for us is if your blessings or even just your efforts in trying to live as a Christian in today's dark world bring problems, persevere, because God's plan is being worked out and will be worked out. 
In verse 34, Mary asks a very reasonable question. How can I bear a child when I remain a virgin? Answer, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma agion in the Greek, will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that, literally, the holy thing being born will be called the Son of God. As we listen to those words, which may be familiar, we can only recognise a miracle, can't we? To, To understand them properly, we can only really put it down to a miracle brought about by the Holy Spirit. Tradition has it that Luke, who based his gospel wherever possible on eyewitness accounts, talked to Mary about this. And as a medical doctor, he would have had just as much difficulty as anyone else in accepting such a miracle. And yet, he did so, recording the facts as he investigated them, as he says to Theophilus at the very beginning of his gospel, he said, I've, I've investigated everything carefully, you know, rather like a, a good journalist would. You know, he's sure of his sources before he, he puts uh, the facts down. So he recorded the facts, and yes, it was a miracle, but he, he left it at that, and so should we. In verse 36, Gabriel revealed that Mary's relative Elizabeth, who had been called barren, had in her old age conceived a child and was in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Literally, will not be impossible with God every word, pan rhema in the Greek. A powerful confirmation there that God's every word, even though we might consider it unlikely and impossible, will actually come to pass. And when you think of it, life itself is a miracle, isn't it? I mean, uh, let me share with you, I, I well remember the birth of our daughter, Julia, on the 23rd of August, 1982, at 11.25am on a Monday uh, at the old maternity hospital in St. Saviour's Road. And the consultant in attendance, while we were waiting uh, for for the birth, tried to make conversation with me about my work. You know, he knew I was in the finance industry, and he was asking me, various questions, trying to make conversation. I thought to myself, I was, a, I was a total blank. I don't know what he thought of me, but I thought to myself then, how can he be talking about things like that at a time like this? Because although I wasn't a Christian then, I sensed that something holy was happening. A life was coming to fruition, a baby was coming into the world. And interestingly, looking back on that, that was in 1982, I didn't become a Christian for another seven years. But that birth, because I sensed 
something holy was happening was part, as I look back on it now, as of course you only can, can't you, looking back on these things, um, was part of my journey to become a Christian. That holy experience that I had. The miracle of, of birth. Verse 38. Mary's response to the miracle uh, about to take place in her and through her after this unexpected and momentous encounter with the angel is brief and beautiful. I am the Lord's servant, literally slave girl. May it be to me as you have said. What trust and confidence in God. What obedience from a teenage girl. The first part of our reading. And in the next part, Mary makes haste to visit her relative Elizabeth because she's just heard that she's pregnant. And when she arrives and greets her, Elizabeth's baby leapt in her womb, fulfilling the words of Gabriel's prophecy to his father uh, that his son, while yet in his mother's womb, would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's earlier on in uh, chapter 1 of Luke. And also at that moment, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and loudly confirms that Mary, whom she describes as the believing one, is blessed because of her trust in the Lord's words, which will be brought to fulfilment. And in response to this encouragement, Mary expresses her own deep joy in the words of a hymn Uh, which has come to be known as the Magnificat from the first word of the Latin translation, which, like the Greek, put the verb first for emphasis. So, magnifies my soul, the Lord, and exalted or rejoices my spirit in God my Saviour, because he has looked upon the humble state of his servant. You see, Mary was under no illusion about her status. She was young and she was poor and felt that she didn't deserve to be even noticed by God, let alone chosen for the mighty purpose of bearing his son. Earlier, she described herself as the doule or slave maiden of God his willing and obedient servant upon whom he looked with grace. And she realises that all generations will call her blessed because of the great things God has done for her. Choosing her in the first place, sending Gabriel and causing the miracle of Jesus's Conception and revealing that mystery to Elizabeth. Our God is a mighty and active God. He's a hard worker, doing great things 
in all our lives. But these things, comprising as they do the coming of the Messiah, are the pinnacle of his plan for the world. And one commentator put it like this, all God's mercy during past generations led up to the crowning mercy of the birth of the Messiah. And all God's mercy throughout future generations flows from it. But this mercy is only for those that fear him. And if, like Mary, we have that simple and almost childlike acceptance and awe of God and that attitude of obedience, we will recognize and praise his majesty and holiness and not ignore his commandments. Even though, of course, we falter at times in our obedience, if our hearts are right, or at least on the right track, we're going to be okay. And it's as well that we are Because our mighty God, verse 51, exercises his power on our behalf. And that's something sometimes we can forget, particularly in this materialistic and and, um, secular age in which we live. And again, in retrospect, looking back on my life, which I tend to do at this sort of age, um, I thank God for having exercised that power to protect me in my life and my business, sometimes in ways which I can't even imagine and won't know until I get to see him face to face. I recognise, of course, that my own shortcomings sometimes led me into situations, particularly in business, to you know, trust people who, who were ostensibly reputable, previously reputable, often professionals who who misled me and drew me into situations I would never have chosen had I known the truth. But the Lord was there to get me out of the mess that I got us both in. God says, Mary has scattered the haughty ones, those who think too much of themselves, those who denigrate Christ and his followers. Verse 52, he has brought down rulers and potentates from their thrones and exalted humble ones, hitherto regarded by no one. And I remember on my trips to London and New York and other big cities, you see the homeless, don't you? And sometimes uh, when I had the time um, from my uh, very busy schedule, um, I would try to chat to some of these people. And, and the worst thing they told me that, that pains them most and lowered their self-esteem more than anything else was the fact that they're not even noticed by people. You know, they're just on the side of the road with their little cup uh, in front of them and pass them by. The humble ones... Verse 53, the hungry and rich ones next. It's really another way to describe the types already mentioned, uh, those who are all too aware of their lowly status as opposed to the proud who are rich, we are told, but of course not in God. People who, you know, 
we might say today are on the, on the rich list or dare we say that some of those in you know, private equity or whatever it may be, people who've, who've got a lot of material power and um, think perhaps that they can um, behave in a way similar to the sort of Mongol horde uh, charging across the steps, carrying everything before. Um, whatever it may be, and we must all be careful, of course, of, of pride, um, given our privileged position, really just being in Jersey, um, living where we live. So I think we all have to be a bit careful about that. Um, but um, we, we need to be rich towards God and towards each other. But if we are not, then those other rich ones, as Mary says, these rich ones, God has sent empty away. The word for empty there is kenus, um, from the Greek, from which we get cenotaph, an empty tomb. So the image really is one of folk who are actually hollow. And um, don't we see a lot of them? around today, particularly on telly. Anyway, moving swiftly on towards the end, Mary praises God for remembering mercy, for fulfilling his promise to Abraham, proven by God's merciful treatment of her in the ways that we've seen. So the lesson for us, really, is that when faced with seemingly interminable difficulties, like COVID perhaps, we can be tempted to think that God may have forgotten us. But if we remain patient, in his perfect timing, he always remembers. He always follows through and always finishes what he started. And he always does it perfectly. And one final practical point to note. Because travel wasn't easy in those days, longer visits were common. So in verse 56 we're told that Mary stayed with Elizabeth three months. So it's likely until John's birth. And of course, as the younger one, she must have been a great help to her older relative in her first pregnancy. Practical provision by God, therefore, in having, through the angel's message, alerted Mary to her relations condition and thus intimating that a a visit would be in order. The prompting of the spirit of our and its practical application in the life of a simple teenage girl who became the chosen vessel for God's highest purpose and who is an enduring role model for all today who want to serve the Lord in any way, great or small. What a privilege that is and what a source of joy. Amen.